In my 25 years as a prison chaplain, I had the wonderful opportunity to work with a lot of clergymen of different faiths. I think my favorite one was Rabbi Eliphan. He was a little tiny guy with a, with a big name, I guess. He'd served as a military chaplain in World War II, and one of the stories that he liked to tell was the thrill of meeting Pope Pius XII in Rome after the war was over. But best of all, the rabbi never ran out of jokes. My favorite one was about, uh, he told a joke about a rabbi who always taught by asking questions. Now, Rabbi Elephant would always speak in an, an exaggerated Jewish accent when he was telling jokes. So one day the, his disciples asked them, Rabbi, why do you always teach by asking questions? Why do you always answer one question with another question? And the rabbi answered, what do you mean I always answer every question with another question? <laughs> well, Jesus must have been a good rabbi because today in, in the gospel, we see him asking questions. Who do people say that I am? But then the big question a huge question, a question we all must answer. Who do you say that I am? And even more disturbingly, there's an implied question that Jesus gives an answer to. The answer, the question would be, what does it take to be a disciple of Jesus? And the answer, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself take up his cross, and follow me. We're all familiar with the great drama in today's gospel in which Jesus asked the question of who did they say that he was. And we all know as well that it's Peter who has the faith and the courage to answer, you are the Christ. And Jesus asked us this question as well. Who do you say that I am? The question is sharply personal. It's not enough to say, well, read, read the creed, that's what I believe. We're asked individually and personally to make a response. The only response that can lead to eternal life. You are the Christ. Pope Benedict in 2011 spoke at the closing mass of World Youth Day in Madrid to a million and a half young people and he was commenting on this very gospel. He said something I can't help but quote, Dear young people, today Christ is asking you the same question which he asked the apostles. Who do you say that I am? Respond to him, the Pope says, with generosity and courage. Say to him, Jesus, I know that you are the Son of God, who have given your life for me. I want to follow you faithfully and to be led by your word. You know me and you love me. I place my trust in you and I put my whole life into your hands. I want you to be the power that strengthens me and the joy which never leaves me. Each of us, each of us must place our very life in the hands of Christ. He's given this life to us. And we must give our lives to him. Do you want to live forever? That's the big question. And Jesus is the one, the only one, who conquered death and who tells us, no one comes to the Father except by me. 
So we all must make a very real and personal commitment to Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us that in another way in the book of Revelation when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door to me, I will come into his house and sup with him and he with me. The door of faith must be opened by each one of us is Christ is to save our soul. To put it better, the door of faith must be opened by me if Christ is to save my soul. The door of faith must be opened by you, by each one of you, if Christ is to save your souls. Once you have opened the door, once we have responded to the call of Christ by embracing him as Savior and Lord, well, what's next? Are there folks right now who say that we are saved by faith alone, that we should make a one-time act of faith, of commitment to Jesus as Lord and Savior, and our salvation will be guaranteed? By no means is this true. Yes, the phrase faith alone does appear in Scripture. It appears one time. And it's in the letter of St. James that we just had our second reading from, only six verses after today's reading left off, where James tells us one is not saved by faith alone, but by works also. Not really our own good works, but those that flow from a life that is empowered by the saving grace of Christ. We read in James today, What good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that save faith save can that faith save him? So also faith of itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In the gospel today, then, Peter wanted a pain-free gospel, and Jesus told him, You are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. Peter wanted a glorious Messiah, one who would not suffer, one who would not die a shameful death. Peter wanted a sugar-coated power gospel, one that would bring influence and success and prosperity. He wanted a political Christ, not a suffering Christ. But Jesus is the Messiah, of whom our first reading from Isaiah speaks, when he says, I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard. The real Messiah, the true Messiah, would be known not by his glorious, powerful political achievements, but by his obedience to the Father, by an obedience that accomplished the most glorious achievement of all time, the resurrection from the dead. It is this Christ, this Messiah, we choose to follow, not because he offers a sugar-coated gospel, but because he is the only way to life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, the Lord tells us. So what about that implied question? What does it mean to follow Christ? Today Christ gives us the answer. First, we must believe. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then we must follow. We must take up our cross and allow the grace of Christ within us to resist the power of sin and to show forth our faith in good works. The way of Jesus is not merely a 
individualistic, personal, spiritual path of enlightenment, but a way of life. He offers us an inner spiritual transformation that affects and forms and guides our actions and our lives. Salvation is personal, but it's not individualistic. For obedience to the Father's will entails not only believing, but loving the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. No gospel that focuses exclusively on self or on what I can get out of it is a true gospel. Peter wanted such a gospel, a gospel without the cross, and Jesus called him Satan. How can we contemplate the love of God for us in Christ Jesus, manifested for us upon the cross, and not love him in return? How can we contemplate his love and not love one another, even our enemies? How hollow our act of faith would be, and James calls such faith dead. But there's more. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Take up your cross and follow the Lord. Is your life empty? Take up your cross and follow Christ. Is it difficult? Take up your cross and follow him. Do you struggle with addiction to drugs, to alcohol, to gambling, to internet pornography? Take up your cross and follow him. Are you discouraged or lonely or confused or afraid? Follow him. Are you disturbed by the turmoil in the world today? Follow him. Don't be afraid to follow him for the glory. The glory which awaits you is greater by far than that which is promised by the world or envisioned by a light fluffy and false gospel. Follow him, for he reigns now in glory, and he waits for you.